October 10th, 2023. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change. Got a great show for you today. We'll be joined in a sec here by Mark Porter and Bill Curlick. Going to talk recruiting. There was a commitment. Going to talk guys eating big sandwiches at Mr. Bucknuts' new deli. Some Buckeyes. I emceed an event there yesterday and we'll talk about that. But first, we are brought to you today by Manscaped, who was taken up from Halloween. To bring your face the cleanest shave it's ever seen. No need to toil and trouble. Manscaped's all-new handyman is the best way to get rid of stubble. Featuring a compact design and next-gen skin-safe technology, the handyman was designed to give you that smooth finish without the mess of a traditional shave. Get the sweetest treat this Halloween by going to manscaped.com and use code BUCKNUTS for 20% off plus free shipping. I gave this to my 16-year-old son. I told everybody this yesterday. He was amazed you could put your hand on the razor and nothing happened. Then he shaved his mustache and he said his lip was as smooth as a baby's bottom. It is a really cool little compact thing. It's not back in the day with the three, you know, nuclear feeling and ripping and electricity and going to shock yourself. This thing is tight. It's black. It's compact. If they've got everything you need in there, they got a beard hedger. If you need that, which is a high-tech piece of art and a travel size package with long-lasting battery, there's no trick with this treat. Manscaped has you covered. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BUCKNUTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code BUCKNUTS. For a look as sweet as candy, get yourself the handyman from Manscaped, and you can see that in the scroll at the bottom there. Allegedly, Mark Porter will be here, and Bill Curlick is there. He is. Mark Porter is here. Bill Curlick is here. The Grand Poobah and the Dean are here to hold court, gentlemen. <laughs> it's not that common, Bill, that we are surprised by a commitment here in these parts. At least myself. Coco, Florida wide receiver Javon Boggs. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Has joined the fold. Maybe not the highest-rated guy ever, but in Brian Hartline, we trust. Can you bring us up to speed on Javon Boggs, how this all took place, and kind of where we are in 2025 now? Well, I think uh, with Boggs, it wasn't surprising that he wanted to go to Ohio State and committed so much. It was the timing of it, I think. Um, You know, I, I didn't think it was going to happen Sunday night is which when it did happen, he talked to Ohio State, well, Sunday, um, and decided, you know, to let them know that's where he wanted to go. So I think that, uh, you know, he was impressive at Ohio State, and they've been recruiting him and all, just that I didn't really expect him to pull the trigger right when he did. Um, you know, I kind of, I, I look at him as a little bit reminding me of um, Jackson Smith and Jigba. In the similar size, uh, I think two kids that uh, are uh, or were not as highly rated as they might turn out to be. Um, 
in the case of Njigba, he was pretty highly rated, but he turned out to be even better. And in the case of Boggs, as you mentioned, Dan, he's a three-star guy that I think is going to turn out to be a whole lot better than that rating when all is said and done. And I think, I think Boggs can be a, a slot-type guy as well. I think like Njigba, really high upside, really high ceiling, um, and, and a kid that uh, – uh, really wants to be a Buckeye. I think he's totally sold. You know, you hear the thing about, well, he's a Florida kid. He commits early. Who knows? You know, that means we're in the top three, as the old saying goes. I don't get that feeling with Boggs. I think he's pretty darn solid. And uh, I never like to say never in recruiting, but I'd be surprised if he would end up going anywhere else but Ohio State. So, uh, again, I think Brian Hartline does it again. We'll move that video to Mark Porter, and he will have sometime this week a commitment evaluation on Boggs. Now, let's move to yesterday. I want to share with you guys a little bit. I had the chance to host at Mr. Bucknuts All the Best Delicatessen in Dayton, a charity event. Um, they put out three-pound sandwiches in front of – I'm going to give you the names here, and you can guess – G. Scott – Joe Royer, Carson Hensman, and Tegra Shibola, and they had an eat-off for charity. Um, I memorized everybody's weight, and we had them sitting in descending order. So at 240, G. Scott, 255, Joe Royer, 300, Carson Hensman, and as I announced to the crowd, the Vegas favorite, Tegra Shibola, weighing in at a clean 322 pounds. Shocker, the winner was Tegra Chabola, who I think he had 1.3 pounds left. He narrowly beat out Carson Hensman, who went with the not surprising Wisconsin approach of eating all the meat from the sandwiches and leaving the bread behind. That that approach did not work, and uh, Tegra won. What's funny was I don't think the kids knew who what they were doing when they got there. And I'm not sure any of them have really had pastrami before, but um, they got an education in deli meats. They got to meet Mr. Bucknuts. Um, it was on the news here, and we got to make a donation to charity. So thank you very much to those dudes. Guess who was there uh, helping out? Of course, Cardale Jones. Uh, everyone's favorite Buckeye was there. He's now working with CBS, and he is uh, perhaps Mr. Buckeye right now. If you're going to give out an award of the guy who's kind of the most affable and publicly accessible Buckeye. Let's go with Cardale these days. He's tremendous. And uh, the guys were incredible. G. Scott's dad was there. So it was a wonderful event. And when you get to see those guys in person and you just see how personable they are and uh, just great kids. So we appreciate them stopping by. I want to make sure we get that out. Once again, if you'd like to check out Mr. Bucknut's new deli, it's in Dayton on uh, 5940 Far Hills Avenue. Uh, caddy corner to the, uh, I guess that's the Centerville, consider the Centerville or Kettering uh, Dorothy Lane Market. All right, Bill, Blake would be um, defensive back out of Baltimore, St. Francis. I get the impression St. Francis has replaced Gilman as the main hub of elite talent in the Baltimore area. He's got an announcement planned. I'm sure you're psyched that he has a, a, a commitment planned for 2 to 5 p.m. with no announcement. That's just the time of the party. So you, of course, will be sitting there with bated breath for an hour before and an hour after, I'm sure, Bill. Give us the latest on Blake Woodby. 
what you think of him as a prospect and uh, where you think he'll commit and who's kind of in the mix? Well, first of all, who would have thought when I started doing this 37 years ago, we'd be talking, certainly not me thought, thinking this, we'd be talking delis and Ohio State players eat, in eat-offs uh, on a podcast. Progress, Bill. I, I, I would have never thought of that 37 years ago when there weren't even such a thing as podcasts, but here we are. You'd um, be telling your 900 number for uh, <laughs> digits and probably accidentally getting a porn line, so let's just yeah. stick to what we got. Uh, but as far as getting back to Blake Woodby, uh, Baltimore St. Francis cornerback visited Ohio State this past weekend. Um, visit went very well. He is from Baltimore St. Francis, as I believe you mentioned, Dan, and that is a school that is loaded with prospects. In fact, I had an article about this last night, yesterday afternoon, actually, on Bucknuts about uh, all the St. Francis guys that visited Ohio State this past weekend. and. A number of them are coming back for the Penn State game, um, uh, including Jaira Edwards, who is a tremendous uh, 2026 nickel uh, safety guy that Ohio State offered very early. So uh, Woodby has got his decision down to five schools, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, Clemson, Oregon, Tennessee, and um, he is having a commitment party at a relative's a house on Saturday party goes from two to five. The announcement will be sometime during that party. They haven't ex set an exact time for it, but sometime during that party, hopefully we'll get a little more clear clarity on the exact time. He had a great visit to Ohio state again this past weekend. And uh, it was, his, I believe his second Ohio state visit. Um, if I had to say right now, I think Ohio State is at the top of his list. Um, it would be interesting. Ohio State has a chance to land some great 2025 cornerbacks, including Devin Sanchez, Dorian Brew, as we've talked about in the past, Mark Zachary from Indiana, and, and there's some a few others. So uh, – Blake Woodley is a good one, too. But, again, I, I, I think right now Ohio State would be at the top of his list. But I wouldn't go all in and say 100% for sure that I think he's going to be a Buckeye. We'll see what happens on Saturday. We will stay on that and um, should be very interesting. Like you said, they are in a spot here, given what they got this year, that defensive back, if they were able to get, I mean, no offense to Blake Woodley, Sanchez and Brew, to go with Bryce West and Aaron Scott, you're then moving the defensive back recruiting into the ballpark of the wide receiver recruiting. And that is the Camden Yards of ballparks. Let's be honest, Camden Yards was first and it's the best. But um, be very impressive and something to keep an eye on um, as Bill will keep an eye on when during the commitment Um who do we say, is it Edric Houston that we need to set the template for all commitment announcements going forward? Get in, get out, give me about five minutes, get it on the air. Um, okay, let's switch to the Buckeyes here. Really, most of the questions are about your Buckeyes. Directly after this show is posted, you will see Buckeye in the Sky, Mark's weekly contribution uh, on the game. He was given certain plays to break down. Generally speaking, Mark, there is much consternation about the offensive line. 
Um, if I look at the questions here on the right and I uh, take the temperature of the front row, Dave and I took some crap yesterday for saying maybe the offensive line, while it wasn't tremendous, the running back's vision isn't where it needs to be either at this point. So what is the issue with the running game? Though Ohio State did cover for some of you against Maryland, the running back or the rushing statistics are paltry. So before we get into uh, just specifics, what's wrong with the running game, Mark Porter? Well, it, we're, we're not only not running the ball well, we're not in balance. And when you're not in balance, you like, you know, 50-50 or the type of run game you want, you're not on schedule. You're, you're not getting those five and eight yard runs on first down that make second and third down really palatable. Um, you know, there's a lot of different reasons. And without going into each and every run play to see where the, the breakdown was or the man-on-man failure was. Sometimes it, when you're running zone, if you don't get that outside shoulder or that guy slanting an outside gap and you lose your block, the whole play's gone. And, you know, uh, you know the, these parlays are a big thing. And when you're trying to execute one block, that's a one-game uh, thing. But when you're trying to execute four or five blocks at the point of attack, that's a four or five-game parlay. Sometimes you got to hit to make that play go. And we're just not pulling off consistently enough where all four of the five of those blocks are hitting. And you can blame it on running backs or running back vision, but it, it shouldn't be a problem. The running the ball, uh, I mean, there's days in Ohio State where you're up over 200 yards rushing, and it doesn't feel like that's anything but normal. So the, the alarm bells are on. Uh, we do a few run plays, but again, remember, we have first-round draft picks at receiver, and I think we have a propensity to throw the ball. You know, I don't know if we'll ever be a 50-50 team. I think we're always going to be a little heavier in the pass game, especially with our personnel and, you know, the way the college game is. But there's a lot of, well, not blame to go around, but there's a lot of reasons on this run game. And it better get going because it's becoming, like say, once is just the second time, third time's a pattern. We're into a pattern now of subpar rushing statistics in each game. And I don't think it's the tailbacks. You know, at the end of the day, I think there's talent there. I think those guys, I mean, Henderson's the guy that, that has the six-yard run that goes 60 and pads your numbers, and maybe we're not getting enough padding where guys are breaking away and, you know, the, the, the six-yard run needs to turn into more, and maybe we need to slip one more tackle to create the, the padding and statistics we're looking for, or the big plays. But it's certainly glaring when you're a numbers guy and you see the statistics. And at Ohio State, running the ball is never – ever been an issue mark here's my concern like uh if you're dealing with skilled players for example at ohio state you could switch them up you could put in a new receiver if we were struggling at receiver and say let's see how he does i don't get the impression that's the same thing on the offensive line i've got to assume they've got the five guys in there right now at the spots they think they're going to do best at so the chance for improvement and change is not, I mean, I guess internal improvement is what you're looking for here, but they can't change the personnel. You know what I mean? Can they change the scheme? Is it play calling? Is it, is it the wrong scheme against those defenses? And then we're talking about a personnel thing where I think Ohio state to who they played to this point should be able to run against anybody. What's how can it get better? Yeah. Let's, let's nerd out on this a little bit. Um, 
obviously kids send me highlight films all the time and offensive linemen send me highlight films of them down blocking or gap blocking. And that's when they cave in the rib cage of the guy inside of them and drive them three yards inside. And it's a spectacular block, but it's the easiest block of all the blocks. I don't get many highlight films where people are sending me the reach block where there's a guy lined up outside of you. You take that big manly step, lock onto him, and then run him down the field because uh, the way I like to phrase it is you need to be a Nordic Viking or a caveman strength to pull that move off. Okay, so zone blocking, I don't get a lot of those because it's the hardest thing to execute. Okay, yeah. Ohio State is a zone run team. They're putting five Nordic Vikings on the offensive line saying, hey, we're just going to take a big step left or right, and we're just going to lock on you, and we're going to cave you in, and we're just going to run around the edge, and you know, you're not going to be able to do anything about it because we're going to assert our will. We get we gap block, but we don't do as much of it as in the past. You know, the trestle days, you saw that guard pulling around on that that Dave play they used to run, and the the counter trays, and the guards pulling, and the block downs, and the kickouts. That's the, an easier scheme to run based on what the linemen have to do. And we're really a zone predominant team. And usually our backs are fast enough to run out the side of the zone blocks and make all that stuff works. And boy, it's the simplest way to beat a defense. Just zone them. I mean, it's really, you draw it up on the board. Wow. Just you get the outside shoulder of this guy. You just defeated the defense. So we just nerded out on that. Yeah. I think we ask our linemen to go do a very hard job a lot. And it's hard to zone consistently unless you have five dominating linemen. And without saying our linemen aren't good enough to zone, which is a knock on those guys. And I think that's where, is there anyone else in there that's going to come off the ball and get more movement and help secure the point of attack? Um, the next part of that is the fullback tight end component. Are our tight ends and fullbacks the point of attack guys getting that point of attack sealed? And are they big enough guys to handle what they're being asked to do? And, We've had some great, you know, point of attack players that are fullbacks. I'm not going to point any blame there, but I think the scheme we run is the the ultimate scheme to run. And usually at Ohio State, we've always had the personnel to do it, but we're not talking about our offensive linemen as first-round draft picks this year, the way we were with the guys that left last year. I mean, we, we talked a few podcasts ago about DeWan Jones and how massive he is and how he just, you know, enveloped uh, – the Watt uh, brother from you know Pittsburgh. Yep. We don't have linemen like that that are just going to cover up a guy and reach him and pin him and make it look easy. So, you know, there, there might be a transition of style of linemen right now and what, what's playing out there compared to what we've used in the past the zone block. But I know that was kind of a digression in the zone oh, block, great. but that that is, in, in layman's terms, the hardest scheme to pull off if you don't have superior offensive linemen. You can't ask Dan Rubin, you can't go zone block a big 300-pound guy. You're just not big enough. You'd have to cut him, gap him, uh, pull and kick him out. You, you just can't do the normal things. So, yeah, so I think that's what it, I would look at is if I was going to go back to my, my scheme, I'm like, we still got a zone, but we got to start doing what inferior teams may do to get running games going with counter traps and, you know, letting three techniques run up the field and trap them with H-backs. And there's all kinds of stuff out there you can scheme up. But we might be at that point to get this running game going. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. 
You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. That's something to watch um, because there's no way they can be happy with... I mean, I guarantee you the number one concern for the staff has to be the running game uh, coming out of the Maryland game, at least. Oh, Under 100 yards rushing for Ohio State, uh, you would think there was a monsoon. Go ahead. No. Sometimes also, embarrassment. Man. Yeah, sometimes embarrassment yeah. will motivate you. You know, like, oh, we didn't know we were the weak link. Whoa, the, the spotlight's on us now. And, th- and that's certainly a motivator word. Hey, let's, well, let's, get this, let's get this spotlight on the defense again. We liked when it wasn't the O-line. You know, any anyone who's played football knows what it's like to be in films and make a mistake and have your coach go, Ruben, you did this wrong. Let's watch it again. Is everyone watching how Ruben let the team down here? Let's, uh, let's do, you know, anger and motivation didn't work for me. I'm sitting here, but uh, it may work for others. William. Also, I think when you look at a high state offensive line, you look at any offensive line, who are the most important guys on the offensive line? Your left tackle your right tackle, and your center. I mean, most people would make a good argument that those are the three if you had to pick out the most more guys. And who did Ohio State lose? Their left tackle, their right tackle, and their center. And those guys weren't just guys. Paris Johnson, high NFL first-round draft choice. Dewan Jones, he's been a revelation in Cleveland. Nobody expected what he's doing this year. You know, He'd go higher if there was a redraft. Yeah, he performed admirably against Watt. Yeah. I mean, he he saved Cleveland this year. Yeah, uh, Luke Whipler it, it has made made it uh, uh, to a backup role as a first year guy in the NFL. And you weren't necessarily expecting to lose all three of those guys, yeah. and you didn't have five star guys behind them. And that's not a knock uh, on the guys that are in there. But there wasn't a line of five-star guys at those positions to fill the gap right away. Um, uh, so, you know, you, you've got to look at what they lost and what they had immediately available and say it's going to be a little tough, at least initially, replacing those guys. Yeah, i got to read our next ad here. But, Bill, that explanation is so logical that I know for a fact the front row people will not accept it. Um, uh, just to let you guys know, and you can see on the scroll there, this show is also sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, there'll be times in your life when you knew what was good for you, but your brain was getting in the way. You're trying to fall asleep all night. Thoughts keep racing. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like, you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. And it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist 
and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash BuckNuts today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash BuckNuts. And you can see it on the scroll there. It's a lot going down these days. If you need someone to talk to, call on BetterHelp. Let's get to some Dan, can I add one more? Can I add one more thing to that? Um, I think everybody knows that Ohio State, the past two, three, four, five years, their offensive line recruiting has not been the strength of their recruiting classes. And I think that that's, uh, again, uh, you didn't have a lot of five-star guys waiting in the wings, and uh, that's catching up a little bit to them that they – that they uh, didn't have the offensive line as big strengths um, when you come to the last two, three, four, five recruiting classes. And and you know what? I'll add even one more layer. I said this before. I talked to a big-time coach, and he said part of the problem with college football is when linemen start running sideways at the snap of the ball, and that's the zone run scheme. They're not coming off and double-teaming and blowing guys back in the linebackers, hip to hip, uh, thigh pad to thigh pad, coming off with 600 pounds on one guy and and getting that downhill push. And I think when you're a zone team, think about if you're a defender and you know all week that, hey, these guys are just going to snap the ball, hand it to a guy, and run east and west. Well, you're going to run east and west even faster. And all week, you're getting ready to come out of your stance and defeat that zone block and I think it's really it's a really tough scheme to run. Like I said, unless you have the most unbelievable five star guys just pinning guys inside all day, so that could be a little bit of what's going on this east west instead of north south thing. Bill, let's throw in some recruiting here. One of the ways Justin Fry, there's several ways for Justin Fry to ease the heat as it were one is for the running game to get back in groove two is if he could nab a big time recruit where are they with jordan seaton now out of img he is really and i correct me if i'm wrong here please the last grace possibly for the offensive line in terms of fry getting the guys he wants and really adding an elite tackle to the class yeah, I like the three guys he has. I like the Armstrong brothers and Ian Moore, I think, uh, is even at a mid four-star type guy, mid to high four-star type guy, Ian Moore, I think, is a little underrated. Yeah. He's Notre Dame has recruited offensive linemen really well and done a good job of developing him. Their former offensive line coach was not sold on Ian Moore, but as soon as uh, that person left Notre Dame, they went back after Ian Moore. Uh, but the other members of that staff at Notre Dame really liked him. They went back after him, and Ian Moore said, no, I'm staying, I'm a Buckeye, I'm staying with Ohio State. Um, I think he's going to be a really good one. So they have three guys I like, but as you mentioned, Dan, Jordan Seaton would take that group from uh, being okay or pretty good um, to the next level. He's that good. I mean, Jordan Seaton is elite. Um, he did make an official visit to Florida. Um this past weekend, in fact, I just talked to someone uh, familiar with uh, with the situation. The feeling is is that that visit went pretty well. Um, the, the the general vibe has been Alabama and Ohio State maybe at the top of the list. Um, I think now 
uh, and I've said this for actually for a little while, I think Florida's going to be in there. I think they they did enough this past weekend. I wouldn't count Tennessee out. But the thing is, Jordan Seaton is pretty unpredictable, and he likes each visit he goes on. He is going to make an official visit to Ohio State. Um, that'll be the Michigan State game. And I think the later you get him in there, the better. So I think that is a positive for Ohio State. So we'll see what happens. I'm not going to go and say I think Jordan Seaton will be a Buckeye, but I feel pretty good about it. Um, just reading the tea leaves, and I have no real – I have a little juice for it, but I, I'm, I'm feeling better about – I'll put it this way. I'm feeling much better than I was about a month ago when we discussed this. All right. We've got a lot of good questions here, and they're on a different topic, so we're going to try and go rapid fire. Um you know what? Let me let me throw some props at the O line since we spent a little time. Okay. The pat the pass protection has been good. There have been plays where we're running deep crossers that you need three four seconds in the pocket, and there are some clean pockets for guys to throw balls. I don't think we're talking about a bad O line per se. I think we're talking about an aspect of run game versus pass. And I think when we recruit, we may be recruiting more pass protecting type guys that have the feet and can protect that edge, or our pass game would look like trash right now. So I think it's one of those things when you're recruiting, are you taking a guy who's more pass set oriented or a guy who's more run set oriented? And some obvious examples, the the Armstrong brothers are obviously guys with unbelievable feet. I compared them to Taylor Decker. Austin Sierraveld, on the other hand, what is that uh, line, or offense he came out of? Triple option, all running plays. He may never have passed blocked in his life. Maybe we need to take more guys with that style of background who come from, hey, we put our hand in the dirt and come off the ball as opposed to we're kick-stepping, playing out of a uh, two-point half our career. Just just a thought of that. But the O-line does deserve their props in the passing game. That makes sense. Um, I also think what we're dealing with here is just traditionally – Ohio State has been the kind of team for a lot of our fans over the span of their life that could just line up and mash you with five guys bigger than other people. Just watch football now, man. It's impossible to score in compressed areas in the red zone now. It's very – third and one used to be just line up and smash it in there. That doesn't exist anymore, man. Third and one is a curse. Now, you know, college and pro football. Go ahead, Mark. It, it, it's the sub packages that really have become – norm i mean most teams in the 90s played you with their base defense beginning to end sam mike and will four linemen you know now you got five six defensive linemen coming in on sub packages guys that only play in short yardage they're 350 pounds sitting in your a gaps and you're, you're fighting an animal on third and one that isn't your animal you're fighting and then you know of course on the other end you got four two five defenses that cover the spread and you're light on the back i mean so i think these Sub nickel, dime, and all these packages have showed up and made football much more strategic. But to your point, certain situations aren't gimmies anymore unless you're the brotherly shove. I was just going to say there's a reason the most effective short yardage team in the sport has become a novelty. Um, why everyone else can't just do that, I don't know. But you know, I, I've, I've watched the, the center and two guards are as strong as it gets. And I think Jalen Hurts squats 700 pounds or some yeah. ridiculous number. Uh, the league does that play at about 80 percent. They're at about 92 percent. So they're only doing it actually one more time out of 10 than everybody else is averaging. 
but it just seems like nine out of ten is pretty automatic. And the one time they don't get it is like shocking. So see the problem is it's happening more than that though. So it's probably over the course of a hundred. That's twelve more first downs they're getting than everybody else. That will win yeah. the games. All right. Now this is something we really want to talk about. And if you're saying you didn't get a chuckle out of Mario Cristobal's option, uh, trying to run it into the teeth without taking a knee, you're lying. Um, and then your next thought was, how does this affect Marquise Lightfoot? Bill, do you know if Marquise Lightfoot was there or not? I know it was a big visit weekend for uh, Miami thinking they were going to steamroll Georgia tech and they got rambling wrecked themselves. Um, from Terry Slusher, Bill, can we flip Lightfoot after the Miami debacle? Curious what the recruits that were at that game thought of the incident. William? Well, I do know that uh, some of the recruits that were talked to after that game, uh, you know, they they were not over, they were not down on the Miami program. And Krista, they do a good job recruiting down there. They, they really do. Um, as far as Lightfoot, uh, so far, he still has not shown an inclination that he is looking to decommit or flip. Um, if anything, previous to that game, his commitment continued to get stronger and stronger. Um, I have not seen anything just yet, at least, that even after that game that he has changed his thinking. Doesn't mean it can't happen, just that uh, have not seen that yet. And when you look at what has happened recently, Ohio State has offered uh, stand-up edge rush guys, new offers. You had uh, Amaris Williams being offered, um, the, the kid that uh, is committed to Florida uh, from North Carolina. He got an offer. Um, they would like him to, to get him in for an official visit to Penn State game. We'll see if that happens. Um, uh, so he got an offer. Uh, yesterday, last night, they offered another kid, a Kansas commitment, Deshaun Warner. You watch his video, and I did watch his video. He is a stand-up edge guy, rush-the-passer edge guy, twitchy type guy. Um, so they are out there looking and creating options and possibilities for themselves, which tells me that um, – you know, they're not necessarily banking on any of the previous guys like a light footer all, or they wouldn't be, they, you know, they're continually looking and creating new options. And those are the two most recent options right now or recent possibilities. Amaris Williams, who I like a lot. Mm. And then Deshaun Warner, who, as I mentioned, they offered yesterday. That brings us to the 33 minute mark. So you guys got three free minutes of podcasting excellence there from the Dean and the grand poobah here. We will be back on Thursday with more wit and wisdom to start your day with. We appreciate you stopping by. Have a good one. Brothers.